Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Welcome back to today's episode. Today I have Topsy with me and I was already having a little girl crush moment because if you follow her on Instagram, you follow her on your stories, like her energy, her vibes, so much goodness. So we are so excited to have you on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Natasha. I am so, so honored. This is going to be litty. (laughs) So lit. Okay. So let's dive into your story because you started in the mental health space, being a therapist and now you're a mindset coach. Yeah. So kind of how did you get here? What does that background look like? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, such a good question. It's one of my favorite questions. So I come from a family where my dad um, studied sociology. My mom is a clinical therapist, clinical mental health therapist. So it runs in the family in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love people. I have a heart for people. So Anyway, the only option that I knew of was the traditional career path, which was, okay, if I want to do therapy, um, I decided to major in social work um, because it just aligned with the way that I wanted to show up in my therapy practice. Um, There's so many different ways to become a therapist, but for me, social work really clicked and connected. I love the social justice, the racial injustice piece about it. I just really felt like it called to me as a West African immigrant. So I love the field of social work. I decided to become a therapist. I got my master's degree and I was like, okay, well, I accomplished the dream. (laughs) I got my master's degree. I'm going to start doing, you know, practicing in, I've worked with so many different populations. I've worked with um, the youth in the, in the juvenile justice system. I have worked in the adult um, prison system. I have worked in outpatient residential substance abuse treatment. Like I've done it, like you name it, I've probably done it mm-hmm. um, or have interned in and did it in that way. But I've worked so many different places. And so I realized after some time, I think I was working in the prison at this time. I was like, okay, this is just not for me. I don't like the bureaucracy. I don't like being told what to do. I'm very much a rebel, <laughs> which I think is the reason why many of us become business owners right. because we just get sick of being told what to do and when to do it. Like that, hold on a second. And am I allowed to curse or can yeah, I? Go like, for it. Oh, oh, thank God. Oh gosh. I was going to say, I'm going to be using curse word substitute for I never would use in real life. So <laughs> that just brought me so much joy. So <laughs> kind of unreasonable how much joy that brought me. So anyways, it was like, I went the typical career path. I hate being told what to do and when to do it. And it's like, shit, like, when is it going to be my turn to like, I I know, I know how to do some things. I know how to, you know, um, talk to people. I I think I could figure out how to run a business. So anyway, I ended up joining a um, group therapy practice just to kind of get my feet wet. So that's where it's you and a bunch of therapists in a practice. And we had each other for accountability to bounce ideas off of. And we were all working for ourselves, which was awesome. So that was really cool. Um, And then I started, I had my own office aside from that. And I remember thinking like, 
I just feel like there's got to be more, like got to be more. Like I was accepting insurance and I was doing the thing and I was making an impact, but I really felt still like I was in like tied to corporate. Like I felt like my money was being dictated by insurance companies and how much I can charge and how much I shouldn't. It was just this whole thing. Um, And I ended up Googling coaching because I was like, Mm. I've heard of this coaching thing. I think I I think I saw it maybe on like an episode of the Kardashians. <laughs> they had like a life coach come to their house right. and talk to them about their, you know, their first world problems. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I mean, I already do this. Um, coaching is just a, it's just such an important part of therapy. So um, how can I go about doing this? So I ended up just doing a lot of like Googling. Good old Dr. Google will tell right. you everything you need to know. And I ended up hiring my first mindset coach who was like me, a former mental health therapist turned coach. And from there, it was just history. I got immersed into the world of online coaching. I was totally green, totally brand new. I remember thinking like, I don't know if I could do this because, you know, being a personal brand, you got to disclose so much about yourself online. And I came from the therapy world where you don't tell clients anything about you really, which was the other piece that really bothered me was that I understood why, but I just felt like there was just this huge disconnect with my clients. And I'm like, I want to be in it with them. Like, the trauma stuff, like I know how to help people. I know how to help them with their PTSD. Like I know all that stuff, but I'm ready to do something else. Like I've made my impact here. Now it's time for me to move on. And so I ended up doing um, mindset coaching on the side while I still had my therapy practice. My therapy practice, I think I was booked out within like six to eight months of Mm. opening it, which was really cool because I got told that that was like probably not going to happen and it would take a few years. So I was like, "Uh, I don't have a few years. Like I have right now. (laughs) So so I filled up my practice and then it made it really easier to pivot into coaching without having to give up any of the income that I had received as a therapist. And so I did both for a while, two completely different client populations. In my coaching business, I worked with um, high achieving entrepreneurs who just wanted to bust through some of the mindset blocks holding them back from reaching the next level in their business. So I still got to use my expertise about the brain in such a cool, different way than what I was used to. I didn't have to think so hard. Um, I don't know if anybody listening can understand that, but the therapy world is just so clinical. And so Mm -hmm. I really felt like I didn't have to... I didn't have to dig that deep. Like it just came so natural. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I meant to do. And so I finally, um, I hired business coaches, all the thing to figure out like online, you know, business and how to advertise and use like Instagram as the vehicle for marketing my business and all of that. And then I finally closed my therapy practice this summer. And I think I made the decision three months before I told my therapy clients and then I pursued my coaching business full time. So that's like, the long and the short run of my story, but it's just kind of crazy how the stars aligned and this is just what I have been meant to do. I just didn't realize that there was a way to do it until I started doing the Googling and asking people and, you know, putting myself out there online. It was super scary. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, and you kind of probably a lot of people tuning in. I know I saw parts of my story and your story where you were like Googling, you feel like there has to be another way. You feel like there's this path that you're supposed to be on. And I think it's so amazing that you kind of just went with that instinct to really go in the direction where you could have just more freedom to really, you know, your story 
story and your personality is what I love most about you. And I think that's amazing that you can use that really in what you do now. Oh my gosh. That was like one of the biggest things. It was like, I just want to be able to be myself. Like I want to be able to twerk if I want to <laughs> on stories. <laughs> right and now, like, do it on the pod. <laughs> and like not have to worry about like, right. you know, colleagues judging me, which I'm sure colleagues still judge me, but you know, whatever. I don't care about that now. But I think it was just that as a practicing therapist, it came with a lot of responsibility that I just wasn't into. And I was like, you know mm. what? Like, I just want to be able to be myself and help liberate Black folks and just impact as many lives as possible. And I can do that while not being a practicing therapist. Like, that can, that's always going to be a part of my identity, but that's not the whole of who I am and what I have to offer the world. So I unsubscribe from any unrealistic beliefs you have about me because I just, I don't believe that we are one dimensional. We are multifaceted and we enjoy many things at once. So yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Um, always more, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that little recap. And I want to dive into kind of a more recent part of your journey. And this is where I connected with you. And this was in June where Black Lives Matter took over our Instagram feeds, which, you know, should be all the time, but you know, I digress. Yeah, um, I know, right? You're like, that's a story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> right. But I feel like something I'm sure you experienced is I know when I followed you, you were just growing and growing and growing. Oh my gosh, it was and, wild. Yeah, I saw the same. So you noticed it? That oh, is so oh, yeah. funny. Oh yeah, I noticed <laughs> it. It was like, I mean, it was like every day it seemed like you were just getting more people following you, <laughs> more awesome opportunities. And I was like, I saw so much of what was happening to me and to a lot of my yes. other fellow black entrepreneurs happening to you. And you know, part of the thing is you're really excited. You're like, wow, I didn't even think these opportunities could come and could come so rapidly. Right. Yes. I know. It's it adjusting. Was, it was wild. I mean, I think the kind of growth many of us had just from speaking our truth and just being ourselves. Mm -hmm. Some people chose not to address anything, which I completely understand and respect. And sometimes right. I wonder like, what if I would have decided not to use my voice? You know, like what would what would it look like now? I don't know. It's just it's right. kind of crazy and un kind of uncomfortable, you know, to think about. It's like the impact yeah. of us not using our voice sometimes. Like what and what does that look like? And I think for me, I would have if I wouldn't have spoken up about a lot of the, the shit that I saw that was wrong, mm -hmm. that I had kept quiet and just talked about with you know, biz besties and whatnot. If I hadn't talked about it publicly, I think that I would still probably struggle with my voice and speaking up. Because even though before then I had been like pretty, you know, outspoken for many people on the platform, I think that me being able to put I, I feel like my reputation on the line and say right. and draw a line in the sand and say this mm -hmm. is horrible behavior. And it's not about the person being horrible, right? It's about the behavior is horrible and calling it out for what it is and being that person to hold others accountable. It wasn't something that I enjoyed, um, but I just didn't see it happening. And I kept seeing the same white folks engage in problematic behaviors. And I was like, 
I, I, I'm not on my watch. Like, I'm going to say something because this is just not okay. And mind you, like, this was not comfortable. <laughs> this wasn't comfortable at all. There were many nights that I had tons of anxiety. Um, and that's what the gram doesn't get to see, you know, right. um, because I, I you do. don't get all June no. pretty much. No, you don't. Right. You get like a piece of the story. Right. And, um, even though it seemed that I was just so fearless, like, oh my God, sometimes I'd get done recording those stories and be like, holy shit, did I just blow up my business? Like, <laughs> this is serious shit. Like, I'm calling mm-hmm. a lot of these people who are super popular and respected, I'm calling them onto the carpet. And that's scary. But I really think it just really taught me the power of my voice and right. that you can make people care, mm-hmm. you know? like. You can make people care and it can be regarding anything. If you have something to say, say it. Like what's the worst that can happen? You know, like the worst thing that can happen is that you get unfollowed. The worst thing that can happen is that you get some unfavorable DMs, which you can just delete them. Exactly. Like, you know, like that's the worst thing. And to me, it was worth it, yeah. you know? And Absolutely. so, yeah, it, it was just wild, which I'm sure you experienced some of the same feelings where it was like going viral is awesome, but this comes with a lot of responsibility, which I'm not right. so sure that I want to live up to what they think, you know, I'll be doing on my platform. Right. And I think with going viral, you're kind of also feeling guilty. Like it took this for me oh, to go viral. Gosh. Like there's the so guilt. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. There There's a lot there to unpack. There's so much to unpack. Oh, right. my God. And I think one thing that I kind of realized, and I love how you kind of mentioned, you know, it's uncomfortable for us to really speak up on these things yeah. because a part of me felt almost guilty that it took me so long to talk oh, about yeah. these things. I'm like, yes. well, I always knew I was the only person of color, the only black woman on a panel. And at that, I'm mixed. So they just kind of chose the, the remix version version of it, you know, oh, like, why, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I started feeling guilty and I'm sure maybe you that. felt those feelings too, where it's like, Oh yeah. I could have said something, but I always thought, Oh, we're minorities. So of course we're going to be underrepresented, but it doesn't need 100%. to be that way. Yeah. Like I definitely, I vibe with you on that so hard because that was, that was what I told myself. Like, well, they got to start somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you just kind of get used to you know, that feeling maybe of being tokenized. I don't know whether that's the accurate term for it because I'm not an anti-racism educator, but I do think that that's something to consider is that feeling of being tokenized was just normal Mm -hmm. for many people. Some people don't view it that way, but I definitely can look back and see that there were several instances where I was the only person of color on a panel or something. I was definitely tokenized whether or not they meant it to be that way. You know, exactly. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a complicated (laughs) discussion. Yes. I'm sure we could chat about it all day for sure. And it kind of got me thinking of imposter syndrome because when in my DMs, whenever I'm getting like requests for new episodes, new topics, things that whether they're baby business owners just starting out or established, you know, two plus years business owners, imposter syndrome is the common thread that everyone experiences to some extent. Yes. So what are the shifts that we can make to overcome this and kind of how have you overcame it? How have you helped your clients with this? 
Yeah. So I would say when it comes to imposter syndrome, the biggest thing I like to tell all of my clients, anyone that invests in any of my programs um, or works with me one-on-one is that it means that you're doing something brave. And so if you're listening and you are struggling with imposter syndrome, I want for you to really look at it objectively and say, what am I doing that feels uncomfortable? What am I doing that feels brave? Because even though you may not think that other people are going to see it as brave, it's a brave thing for you to do because you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. You're stepping outside of what is your norm to pursue something else that makes you feel, you know, inept, or maybe it brings up feelings of rejection or whatever. So imposter syndrome stems from doing something brave. And that's a really, I think, incredible reframe for something that keeps so many of us stuck. A lot of us view imposter syndrome as just it further emphasizes that we are inept and that we don't know what we're talking about, right? A lot of us Mm -hmm. see that as confirming that we don't know what we're talking about. So the fact that we're experiencing that emotion, we take that to mean that we are a fraud, right? And that's not true. That's not accurate. What's actually true is that you're experiencing imposter syndrome because you are so not a fraud. You're doing something that is so brave that you are coming up with, your ego is coming up with reasons as to why you need to not do this and why you shouldn't follow through. It's trying to protect you. So I like to think about imposter syndrome as something that shows up when I'm being brave. Um, And I would say that that's like the first mindset shift to really think about when it comes to feeling and experiencing, feeling like you're an imposter at something. Really focus on the fact that I would not be experiencing this feeling if I wasn't doing something that felt uncomfortable. I would say the first shift when it comes to imposter syndrome is the way that you think about it. And the second shift is what you make it mean. What are you making the feeling of imposter syndrome mean for you? Are you making it mean that you are, you know, not educated? Are you making it mean that you're not smart? Are you making it mean that you shouldn't pursue that speaking opportunity? What are you making it mean? Because if you're making it mean that, and that is followed up with actions that kind of go along with your thought pattern regarding that thing, then that means that you're allowing your feelings to dictate your behavior, which is what a lot of us do on autopilot And we don't think about it, right? A lot of us operate in our business off of feeling, which isn't a bad thing. But when it comes to imposter syndrome, you need to operate off of the facts. What is actually true? Is it true that you're a fraud? Is it true that you have no business hosting that workshop? Or is it actually true that it's going to take some time for you to feel comfortable and it's okay to sit with the discomfort? Because sometimes we keep ourselves small by focusing on all the reasons why this isn't a great decision. Right. When that's just your feeling, that's not the fact. What makes you so qualified to do that? If not you, then who? And so I think that those are the first two shifts I, I try to educate my clients on is recognizing that, hey, with imposter syndrome, you're doing something brave. And number two, you are experiencing that feeling because you've never done it before. And so you need to stop operating from the belief that the experience of imposter syndrome means that you shouldn't go ahead and do that thing. 
Oh, that is so good. And I feel like when you were talking about that, the biggest thing I see in my world of Instagram is when it comes to showing up, because you touched on both of the main things is if you're showing up, you're being so incredibly brave Yeah. and chances are all of those mindset issues you're having around showing up, like what are people thinking? I'm not good at this. I'm not even going to sell something. Those are all emotions we're putting around showing up when it's really just being strategic in our businesses. Yes, yes, exactly. And so when you when you have that feeling that shows up, what are you making it mean? Are you making it mean that you shouldn't move forward? Or are you making it mean that, hey, I'm just doing something uncomfortable and this is just showing me that I just have some work to do. I'm getting comfortable doing that thing. So from the work that I do, that's the real work when it comes to imposter syndrome is normalizing it. Mm-hmm. And how do you normalize it? Well, you have to look at what are you making that feeling mean and versus what's actually true. The backbone of the work that I do is feelings are not facts. Just because you feel something doesn't make it true. But I want to do a disclaimer, <laughs> which I feel like I have to do that, but I'm not speaking about issues in relation to racial injustice, all of that. Those are not negotiable. That isn't just a feeling that you're having that isn't founded in anything true. Um, So I want to be super clear. I'm not referring to trauma. I'm not referring to anything that has caused you trauma. I'm speaking just specifically about these things that tend to hold us back in business, which are not founded in the truth. So yeah, I think that once you're able to recognize like, what am I making this feeling mean? And what's actually true it's going to be really easy to shake it off or at least work through it. I like to say working through the imposter syndrome, like, hey, I still feel like an imposter, but I'm going to freaking do it, you know? So it's possible to do both, to feel like an imposter, but yet still do hard things. Exactly. And I feel like when you think of it from like a growth perspective, if we only did things that weren't a little scary and didn't make us afraid, would we even be growing? Would we be progressing or are we just staying at a stagnant level? Exactly. And how easy is it to be stagnant? I mean, I definitely think that before this summer, I was not outspoken, not as much as I thought I was, Right. you know, and that was a humbling thing to recognize. Like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Like I have not been, what is that thing that our parents, that phrase are, are, a lot of our parents like to say, um, no, you're not living up to your full potential. Right. I think that that's like one of the most annoying phrases in the world, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do think in terms of using my voice, I was not using my voice to its fullest potential. So I am very grateful that I was given the opportunity to, and that I decided to take it, but it's up to us to decide, you know? Absolutely. Oh, that was so inspiring. I think that's really going to push people, whether it's from showing up on Instagram or doing something new in their business, scaling, starting the business. I think that's really going to give people that perspective shift that they need. Are you scrolling on Instagram and endlessly trying to figure out which tactic you should use to grow your brand on Instagram? That is why I created a completely free guide to help you understand all the ins and outs of Instagram. So the lingo, exactly what all of those words and terms mean. Also, when you're designing your graphics or taking photos, so you know the exact dimensions that you need in a dimensions cheat sheet. So whether it's for designing things in Canva, taking photos, cover photos, highlight covers, all of those things in between. 
I also share the perfect formula for optimizing your bio. So it's super actionable. So you'll be able to attract the type of ideal clients you want and so many more secret nuggets and tips that I've included in this guide. So if you want to get that completely free download, go into the show notes or go to soulstudiomarketing.com slash freebies. Now let's hop right back into those mic drop moments. And we've been talking all about mindset. So we're going to dive into like mindset spirals. So (laughs) I jot, yes. So (laughs) I jotted down six that I have experienced myself. And then I think a lot of listeners, oh, it's going to be good. I'm ready. Okay. So the first one and Topsy, I'm going to tell you, I feel like I have not handled this with grace. I will be completely honest. And it is being copied as a creator. Oh, this yeah. is hard. Okay, this tell me, tell me, help me. Because <laughs> it's so hard. I think this is the personal, emotional part where I'm like, I worked so hard on making this unique and special, and you just copied it and are using yep. your business. Oh my gosh. Okay, I know it is a Take whole. Take it away. Uh, it's a whole thing. So I, I think I, I think I've done some posts on us being so focused because I'm guilty of it too. Like I like for my audience to know if you go through and read my posts and you're like, holy shit, like I feel so called out. Please know. <laughs> I feel called out by my own <laughs> posts. Okay. So I never post anything that I haven't personally experienced or have had an experience with. So from there, here's what I want to say about copying. And it's not to discredit the hard work we put in. Okay. We all have so much creative genius. We all are been have been able to or if we haven't all, I would hope that you feel empowered to be as creative as you want to be inside of your business. But I think we often forget that (laughs) the reason why this person is copying you, it's not a personal thing. So when we make it personal, that's when those spirals occur. They are copying because they think that that's what they need to do in order to succeed. Maybe they're copying because they feel like, you know, their mentor told them to creep their competitor sales pages, right? (laughs) And so they, like from what I've seen, because I've also have, I've also coached the people that have copied because I think any of us can be susceptible to it at any time. And that is the hardest part is to admit and to, because that's where compassion comes in. So I do think it's a balance between business. Like you need to protect your interests, right? Mm-hmm. Protect your business, protect the brand, have a lawyer send a cease and desist and keep it moving. If you have that financial privilege to be able to afford that or send a letter yourself saying, Hey, this is what I noticed, da, 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 but keep it as, your, as much as you can keep it very business-like. But I think we need to remember that we were once in their position, whether or not we decided to copy That's something completely different. But we've all been in that position where we're obsessed with someone's stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We're obsessed with their shit. We like absorb their whole, like all their Instagram posts, maybe all their blog posts, all their stuff. And how easy is it to regurgitate what we've read because we loved it so much, right? And we regurgitate it either on our stories or maybe we repurpose it and talk about it in one of our group programs, right? But copying can happen in so many different ways. Either way, it is a violation, but I think it's the way we handle it that's so important. So I believe one of the ways that I like to tell entrepreneurs to handle copying is to, first of all, validate the way you feel. So it's normal to feel 
violated and to feel mm-hmm. angry, that's important. So you don't need to push those feelings down, validate it, acknowledge it. But then let's shift into what's actually true. They can copy you, but they don't have the paste. I like to say, you can get the copy, but you ain't got the paste. You have no idea what I'm going to come up with next, right? That person cannot steal your brand. They can try, but it's ultimately going to be proven to go back to you. It's your stuff, right? And so a lot of the time, our fear, because we need to talk about the underlying fear. The underlying fear is that we don't want to feel like everything we've worked hard for doesn't matter. So we have this underlying core belief, maybe, that the work I create isn't that original, or the work I create can be easily stolen, or the business that I have can be easily compromised, or disrespected, or taken away. And I don't want to risk that happening. So a lot of the time, the reason why we have this very strong, emotional, visceral reaction to being copied is because of our own shit. when it comes to our business. So I like to tell my clients to pay attention to what happens emotionally for you and all of the thoughts that come up because that'll let you know whether it's very personal for you or whether it's business. Right. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. Because I've been copied before, right? right. Like like we're all experienced being copied, but the way I feel now, I'm not perfect, but you know, you go from anger, irritation, being pissed, to, you know what, I'm very sad that they've been taught that this is okay, right? right? Like, I am sad that they're not allowing their genius to shine through, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there's something within them where they don't feel worthy Mm -hmm. of doing or talking about the same topics as me. And so they don't know how to stand in their truth. So in me having this lawyer send them the cease and desist. Number one, it's going to create a business boundary. Number two, is going to create a business versus personal boundary, right? Where it's not you sending it, but you're externalizing it to have a lawyer or someone else deal with it. So that's the next step is that when we get personally involved, <laughs> that's when our emotions can get right. all kinds of fucked, right? And so it's easier to go into that realm of dealing with it from a non-emotional standpoint when we're not super involved in that process. So anyways, those are some of my thoughts in regards to being copied. I think a lot of the time our reaction has more to do with what we think about our business, what we think being copied means for us. And that's the core wounding that we have to reconcile. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just coming with it from a point of empathy, kind of like you mentioned. It's hard. Uh, yeah. It's hard to come that way. But I think that that's such a great point of realizing that people in most cases aren't trying to be vindictive and mean by doing it. There's something deeper there. So there's something deeper there. Yes. There's always yeah. something deeper. And, you know, I don't think that we need to be we don't need to take on their stuff, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> not our problem, <laughs> not our problem, but at the same time, it can help with processing it yeah. so that we can reach a point of resolution and feel more peace about it rather than feeling, continuing to feel violated. So good. Yeah. And I, I feel like the two other mindset spirals, I feel like they're related and I feel like one of them is the fear or waiting on or when you get like a bad review or an unhappy client, but also the fear that you're not going to deliver, that you're going to have this launch, you're going to release this course, and then people are going to say that it sucks or they're just not going to say anything at all. 
oh, this is good. Girl, you are like, I, I did my amazing. research. I was like, we got to get deep here. I'm we got to get deep. We, <laughs> we are, you are making me get deep and I am loving this. I don't think I've ever talked about such deep topics on a podcast before. So this is really good. Um, this is incredible. So I would say, number one, when it comes to that fear of getting a bad review or bad feedback from a client, I would say it's because we haven't experienced it that we fear it. Number one, Mm -hmm. if you haven't experienced something, you're like probably waiting for it to happen because everyone tells you that in business, like you can expect that people are not going to like everything that you do. They're not going to like every single course you come out with. They're not going to like the way you teach on every topic or what you teach. And so we should probably expect that. But I think the next thing is, again, going back to what are you going to make their review mean? That's one review. Mm-hmm. out of however many people. Um, what is it? Business coaches can correct me, but I was told a long time ago about the business bell curve. And basically what it is, is that you should expect that about 60% of people that work with you are going to get incredible results. 20% will get moderate results and the last 20 won't get any. So basically just take that for what it's worth to mean that not everybody that works with you should feel or expect an incredible transformation because it's not meant for everybody. Even the people that end up getting into our sales funnels, sometimes they're not actually an ideal client. We think they are, but when it comes to the personality, right? When it comes to maybe some of the you know, some of the nuanced topics that they believe in, they may not be an ideal client. And so how can we expect that everyone that goes through our courses or our programs is going to receive this incredible transformation? That's statistically impossible. You cannot make everyone happy. You are attracting people from all different types of backgrounds, belief systems, cultural backgrounds. Something that you do is may not align with what it is that they believe. And that is normal. And that's okay. So we need to normalize that, that people not agreeing with something we do doesn't mean that they hate everything that we're doing. And it doesn't mean that everyone, you know, that they're not going to get any results. It's just, it just kind of varies. People's personalities are so different. So we need to normalize that. And the reason why we feel that anxiousness regarding getting that negative review is because it's not normalized enough. Mm -hmm. Because whenever we get one or we get negative feedback, we kind of retreat and we go into our shell. Right. Or it's what we consume because I think a lot of people see people like launching and they're like, oh my gosh, all these client results and reviews and they're like raving. They're not talking about the crappy review. Like who wants to do that? No. And like, look, like when we're launching, we're only going to talk about like the positive shit. Like (laughs) we're not going to launch and say, well, let me tell you about three clients and why they didn't get the result. (laughs) Right. But you know what? (laughs) To be quite honest, that actually could be an incredible training. Because what does that mean? That normalizes that your content isn't for everybody. So you want to continue repelling people from your stuff. So that could be another way to flip the script, man. Like if that's an area that brings you shame, bring it to light. Do like three case studies of three different client avatars who didn't get incredible results. And then you can go into why. Right. Because I think that goes into kind of how you said, like, not everyone that gets in the funnel is a perfect client because if they don't have the work ethic, maybe what you specifically teach isn't up their alley. Maybe it's not going to work for their business. Like, there's so many variable factors. And I think it helps you 
better reach the people that are a good fit. Because if they see the people that aren't a great fit and didn't see results, they're like, actually, that's not me. So I'm in the the great book. Or you can repel those people. Love that. Little bit of strategy there. <laughs> yeah, it is a strategy because we, we want to avoid pain. Right. That's human nature. We don't want to see the bad reviews. We don't want to get negative feedback. Mm-hmm. We don't want for someone to go through our courses and hate it. You know, but here's the thing is that we don't learn what we really want to do in business if we don't receive that type of feedback. And by the way, for those of you who are empaths and sensitive souls, when you get negative feedback, do your best to like reflect it off of you. All feedback is not good feedback. So I've gotten feedback that I'm like, uh, irrelevant. You didn't even go through the whole course. So what do you mean? You know what I mean? So be able to determine for yourself what is, what chew up the meat, spit out the bones. What's helpful and what is absolutely based off of their own stuff, you know? Right. And it's sometimes protecting your peace because I know we both have gotten these where you get an email, you get a DM and you're like, where did you come from, Mr. Troll? You were not invited to the party, but you (laughs) like, yeah, like as empaths, you absorb it and you're like, there's something there, you know, but you kind of just got to delete Spam, yep. blog, like that's not for me. That's coming yes. from my own stuff, and I just don't receive that. Exactly. Oh, so good. Oh, you're so welcome. Let's talk about burnout. This is another one that is very close to home. I've talked a lot about burnout. I've talked about my own experience with adrenal fatigue. And I think whether it's like mental or physical, we all, I think, inherently feel like what we're producing, the energy we're putting into our business is why we're not seeing results or why we need to work harder or why we need to continue, you know, to get momentum. Right. What are your thoughts there? Because I think we think it's like a physical thing, but I think it's really a mindset switch. Like that's the big thing. I think that there's definitely a valid argument for it being a mindset switch and also um, an actual health issue. So I think when it comes to the amount that you work equaling how much effort you're putting into your business, I think that first recognizing the erroneous beliefs you have (laughs) regarding running a business is going to be huge because the amount of physical energy that you're putting in your business does not equal or have an effect on the results you're going to have. There's no way to quantify that, number one. Number two, there's no telling what effort you're putting where is equaling what type of result. It's literally impossible to determine that. It's really just about the intention behind what you're putting out and the consistency, but not in the sense of I need to be on Instagram 24-7 in order to land sales. That's a mindset block. That's not true. You don't need to be. You just have been conditioned to believe that, but that's not actually accurate. Why? That's evidenced by so many businesses that are incredibly successful where you're like, where the hell do you get your money? Because you never talk about anything on your platform. You're never showing up, but that's because they have found a way because there are multiple ways to be able to have successful businesses without having to burn themselves out in the process. So looking for examples that prove your belief wrong is going to be huge, especially if you struggle with those all or nothing beliefs. Like if I'm not actively contacting my warmest leads every week, that means that my business isn't going to gain momentum. Well, what's actually true about that? 
And where is your time best spent? Like, let's actually analyze that. So I want for you to really identify what are your erroneous beliefs that you have about running a business that leads to burnout. A lot of the time, we don't realize our own behaviors lead to burnout. When we're constantly on the app, right? Whatever marketing platform you use, whether it's Clubhouse, Clubhouse is on and popping. I don't know if your um, listeners have a Clubhouse account, but it's so cool. (laughs) Um, Whether you have Clubhouse, whether you have Instagram, whether you use Facebook or any other means, it's important to realize that the amount that you're showing up on the platforms does not equal sales. Where does sales come? Relationships. That's what it's about. Intentional relationships. That's what, where it comes from. And you can have relationships with boundaries, right? Where you decide to not be online 24-7. I know plenty of people that just check Instagram three times a day, two to three times a day, and they're on there for five minutes and then they're off. So they're still landing sales. Why? Because they're cultivating intentional relationships with their audience. Oh, yeah. And people can feel your energy when you're showing up exhausted, when you're trying to speed through client work or whatever it is, you're not putting out your best effort anyways. Oh, no, no. Your rest is your business. Like your business is not going to be sustainable if you as the leader are not resting. Right. That has to be a part of your strategy. Yep. It really does. And I think just normalizing that because I think like going back to a lot of the common things we're talking about is we consume so many of the things we see people on Instagram all the time. We see them doing all these things, but maybe they're on vacation all of a sudden. And how are people doing it all? But probably people that you don't know are burnt out or maybe burned out, but yes. also some people are maybe resting and not showing up as much as it may seem. You know, we're kind of just absorbing things in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's like really adjusting and looking at the way in which we view rest, the way in which we view productivity and rewriting that story of what does it look like for you to be productive? For me, my rest is productive. When I am watching reality TV, that's productive. That's a money generating activity because I know when I get back, when I get back at it, when I get back in the DMs or when I get back to answering emails or when I get back in Boxer with my clients, I'm going to have just that much energy to give out. Right. Oh, that is so good. So powerful. I think that's really going to resonate with a lot of people. And the last one, which is shifting your mindset from accepting free things or not charging your worth. Cause that's a really hard one. We were even talking about this where you start your business and you're like, I want to say yes to everything because it's exciting. I have the energy. This is like such a cool opportunity, but then you get to the place where you're thinking of that rest. You're thinking of being intentional with your time and you can't say yes to every three thing or every opportunity. How do we, how do we process that? Yeah. So I want for you to look at your energy, look at the energy you have and like a hourglass timer, like for the day, how much time do you have to dedicate to doing these free things? First of all, let's just be honest. Not everything free brings back an ROI. So that's the first thing we need to debunk is that all exposure is good exposure. No, some exposure is just a waste of your fucking time. (laughs) Honestly. Honestly, there have been so many summits that I've been a part of. So like, you know what I mean? Like I participated in (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Oh. You know, and but we think we get sold that whole song and dance of, oh, you get exposure. And like, right. you know, you get in front, you're, you know, you get in front of a no audience and all you that. You feel real bullshit. special. Yeah. You feel special. And then you fucking do it. <laughs> and you realize three months down the road, you ain't got shit. Exactly. <laughs> you ain't got shit from that. But like, you're tired. That's and, it. And now you're tired. Yeah. Because you've been on this fucking podcast interview marathon. Yep. Being on oh. everyone's podcast that I'm has called out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we all do it at one point. Oh, we Where do. you I did it. excited? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the oh funniest thing. Like you have to laugh at yourself because we think that when we do all those things, we're doing our business a service. And sometimes doing all that free shit, guys, that can cause your business to be at, at a disservice, at a disadvantage. Right. You know, like when we discount everything, when we make, well, first of all, what message are we sending out about what we feel about our expertise? Right. That it's negotiable, right? That other people can set the pace, that other people can set the tone, that people, other people can pay us whatever they want to pay us. And then we become very resentful. Because yep. we're like, shit, I'm tired. It would yeah. be nice to get $100 for that Facebook Live I went right. on for about the last 60 minutes. Because, you know, sometimes people be ODing with how long they want you to Facebook Live. Right. Like, I don't got two fucking hours. I got 20 minutes. Like, can we? Like, I thought people stopped paying attention after 18 minutes. Why are we Facebook Living for 30? You yep. know? And so, <laughs> anyways, I just want for us to get more mindful about what we're saying yes to. Because your yes is sacred. Yes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter whether or not you're starting off or not. Don't let other people manipulate you into doing all this shit for free. Right. Like, look, you be, you became an entrepreneur because you have something to give. So use the strength that you have to give to that ideal client, to that ideal audience, and anything that doesn't feel good, anything that feels like a time suck, an energy suck, it's within your right to say, nope, not at this time. If they say to you, oh, like this would have been such a good opportunity, not an opportunity for me, but thank you so much for considering me, right? Yes. It's that manipulation tactic that, you know, you get told like, oh, you know, if you do this for free, this is what you'll receive. You probably won't, sis. And so right. how are you going to feel that? <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would much rather have money in the bank than to know that, I, I mean, like, obviously I do free stuff all the time, right. but I'm saying that when you want to get picky, it is far more rewarding to get paid. You got paid for it. Even if you get no leads at all from that free thing you participate yep. in, you know, it's a, an equal energy exchange. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So good. That's so powerful. Yes, I completely agree. Well, I want to thank you for saying yes to being on the show and having this conversation because I know I feel a little shook. I'm sure everyone listening (laughs) feels a little shook because you called us out in the most loving way possible. And I just want to thank you for being you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Natasha, for having me. This was such my, this was a pleasure. Oh, it was so fun. I want you to let everyone know where they can connect with you, where they can work with you, where they can connect on Instagram, all the things. Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Topsy Vandenbosch. It'll be in the show notes. T-O-P-S-I-E Vandenbosch. I ain't spelling all that shit, but I'm sure (laughs) I'll be the only Topsy Vandenbosch on Instagram. It'll be in the show notes. Um, What am I up to? I'm coming out with a group coaching 
program is my second time running it called scale without the spiral accelerator. Mm. And it's for that entrepreneur that is making consistent four and five figures a month. That's where they're averaging. And they want to, they want to know some of the um, important mindset things to consider before they start to really scale their business. And so that's what we address inside of scale without the spiral accelerator. But in the meantime, I want for you to download my freebie, the five boundaries you must have when you're struggling with imposter syndrome. That'll also be in the show notes. And so many people have found it really helpful and just kind of considering and looking at where their energy is being spent and how to deal when you're struggling with imposter syndrome, but you have no idea what to do to stop getting repeatedly triggered. And so that is what this free resource will teach you. Natasha, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to having you guys follow me. Send me a DM and let me know where you came from. I would love to say hello to you. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Topsy. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.